He said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Mm. Okay, so two scriptures there, and I want to look at one more thing. That's in James chapter 1. Verse 22 and 25. 22 to 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So, two different aspects of... I mean, I'm trying to put it across in a way which is helpful to everybody. You see, sometimes if you go past the military training grounds, you will see soldiers all on a line. And then they are on their knees. And they are crawling through the field. All. And you know they are searching. And if you know what has happened is probably the previous day firing, somebody lost a bullet which is not accounted for. Okay? And they have to give an account of every cartridge. Okay? So you will see them searching through the grass. And they will have to search until they get that bullet. Okay? So when they are searching, they know what they are looking for. Mm. They know what they are looking for. Like when you are searching an entire ground, you will find lots of things <laughs> which may catch your attention. But that's not what you are looking for. Some things may be even more interesting than the bullet. <laughs> but you know very clearly that you are searching for something. Okay? So f- one of the things about uh, studying scripture is primarily you have to be very clear. What are you looking for? And I showed you from two scriptures, there are two things you are looking for. One, you are looking for Christ. That's so what Jesus was telling you. didn't understand anything that I was talking to you. This is all about me. You have to look at Christ. Second thing, you have to look at yourself, the mirror. Then you have to tally these two and allow that to align. That's for me the entire purpose of scripture. To find Christ and to find self. And then, looking at the gap, you repent and you ask the Spirit of God, make me like this. Otherwise, it just becomes an academic study. Mm. A lot of things which are interesting, all that is fine. All that is good. We do a lot of stuff which necessarily are totally harmless, improves our intellect and all that. But I'm not looking at all that. Like, how many chapters are there in the book of Genesis? 50, if it was 51, it wouldn't make any difference to my life. Probably I would have got got a little more from the 51st chapter. But I'm saying all those things, how many scriptures, how many verses, all, and we are not talking about that. That's all okay. It's all good for quiz questions. What were Jacob's two wife's names and all that, okay? I mean, I need to know my wife's name. <laughs> Jacob's wife's name, other than understanding how he lived a married life, the conflict he had and all that, you know? Ultimately, what you're looking at is these things about Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, my words are life. His life. And then you look into the mirror, you see yourself. And you cannot be a doer of the word if you only look into the mirror and scripture says, and he forgets what kind of a man he was. Mm. Because the word of God shows us Jesus Christ, what a kind of a man he is. 
He's always the same yesterday, today, forever. And it also shows me what kind of a man I was. And then, no, I am. And then tells me, change accordingly. Then I am blessed in what I do. So that would, I would put in the broad picture of, of Bible study. Bible study. And then as you progress in this further and further, I mean, if you keep this at the core, as you progress in your study, God will show you more and more things. More and more things. Because then you know your heart is in the right place. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And when he finds your heart is where to know his son and to align your life, to imitate his son, then he's able to show you things uh, which cannot be found through academic study. Mm. There are a lot of stuff in the Bible we can find with academics. But there are certain things which is impossible, which is called revelation. revelation yes. I cannot know myself unless the Holy Spirit shows me. I'll be think that I'm the n- nicest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Until the Holy Spirit shows from the word through something about David or Abraham or Isaac, any one of them and says, you know what? They're just like you. Mm-hmm. That is something which the Holy Spirit has to show you. you know? So these are the two things with which you, I say, approach scripture. Life of God and your own life. And then from there we keep changing and God says you will be blessed in what he does. So you don't become a hearer of the word. You actually become a doer of the word. Because means the word has become life. life yes. Mm. yes, Pastor Vida. You want to add it? You are a... No. Acad- you are. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I would suggest uh, uh, scripture says meditate upon the word. Yeah. That is, that is one of the most important things that the believer has to do. Meditate. Keep changing. Even as you read, read first from Genesis to Revelation once. It's good to read once the whole Bible for yourself. And then even as uh, you read, you will get certain points where God will speak to you directly and you keep meditating upon that over and over again. And it, see, it's a very powerful verse. We remember uh, um, um, a couple of days back, Pastor was sh- uh, showing us from First Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. He says, "The word of God has got the power to work in those who believe." Even when you read the word of God and you, re- uh, you receive it with faith, it has the power to change you. You have to believe that it will change you and transform you, and you will not be the same again. That is God. It's got a transformative. Uh, effect even as you study it. It happened with me. It's a subjective thing, but it will happen with every one of us even as we receive the word of God by faith. Many parts of it also, like when Paul commends the people in Berea, Berea, when he goes to Berea and he preaches and he said they were more noble than Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. The Thessalonians were so noble, they received the word of God through men as the word of God, therefore it worked in them. And they received it not in good times, in terrible times, in persecution. He said they received the word of God in affliction with much joy. Mm -hmm. The Bereans are commended for something else, Mm -hmm. that they searched the scriptures to to be very sure what Paul preaching. Paul preaching was according to scripture. That's why we studied the scripture because otherwise how do we test what we hear? Yes. How do we test what we hear? There are lots of preachers and a lot of preaching and all kind of ideas, ideologies floating around and everybody will come and tell you the Lord told me. Mm-hmm. But how do you know what he's speaking is what actually the Lord has spoken? That is where you and I have to know our text. Amen. Text. I'm not talking about just knowing the literal text. Yes. It still does not work. It's not knowing the little, the the spirit behind, behind the, the text, text the yes. spiritual truth behind the text, and always be willing to change. <laughs> yes, that's it. I mean, so that God can uh, speak, speak and more, show more, more of more, Himself. More. I mean, okay. I, I I like that place in uh, Acts chapter eighteen where Apollos is a guy who's called mighty in the scriptures, but you know that's a fantastic attitude that he's got. 
that when uh, Priscilla and Aquila explained to him the better way, he's willing to change, although he was a guy who was mighty in scriptures. That is one thing that we always want to do. We have to have an attitude of humility and be able to receive the word from anyone. And it'll, God will continue to speak to us and you will start enjoying the word. And even keep more. faith at the core mm. of it. Okay. Yes. Faith is the core. <coughs> we have been called to a life of faith. Mm. My righteous shall live faith unto faith. And faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So keep that at the core. Why am I, why am I studying? When I am learning so that I will increase in my faith. Because faith, we need to realize faith is the exact opposite of sight. Mm-hmm. If we are not living by faith, we are living by sight. There are only two ways man can live. You can either live by faith or live by sight. And for living by faith, we need to know our word. We need to know our word. So when you keep all these things at the core of your study, then actually God is able to speak. God speaks to everybody. Mm -hmm. But the problem is everybody does not understand that he is speaking. It's not that God is not speaking. When a preacher is speaking to a crowd of a thousand people, everybody is hearing. But everybody does not hear what God says through the speaker. Even on that day of Pentecost, everybody heard, but 3,000 listened and understood and obeyed and became part of the body of Christ. It was not that there were only 3,000 people. There were probably tens and thousands of people. But the word was effective only on 3,000. So that's how we have to look at it. But read from Genesis to Revelation over and over again. Study. Yes, Pastor. Pastor, one more academic kind of question. It's okay. question number 10, and then we can move to the more tougher ones. 10. Uh, uh, do angels know the Bible? Ooh. Do they come to hear the word of God when preached? Okay, I hope, sister, that you have logged in. I sent you the link. I hope you are listening. Okay, do angels know the Bible? Do they come to hear the word of God when preached? Okay, let me give you scripture. It's everything is, you may know, like... If you don't like my answers, then you can b- blame the Bible, not don't blame me. That's why I stick to scripture. It's very safe. Ephesians 3.10 and 1 Peter yes. 1.12. Two scriptures I want to give you. <coughs> Ephesians 3.10. Yes. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Yes. Okay, that's talking about the angelic realm. And First Peter one twelve. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have been preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels, angels desire to look into. One of the first things which we need to understand is angels are not like God. They don't know everything. They only know what has been revealed by God. So there are a lot of stuff which the angels do not know, which we know. Yes. And now they know. And they know it through us. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what, if you go back to Ephesians 3.10, that's what it means. No, 3.10, it says, the, To the intent now the manifold wisdom of God. What is the wisdom of God? That is Christ. And the wisdom of the church is the wisdom of Christ. Mm-hmm. Because that's our portion. Might be made known by the church. So if you ask me, do angels come for Bible studies? Yes. Mm-hmm. If there are revelatory me- meetings. They don't go, I'm very sure angels don't go for prosperity gospel meetings. They don't go, they don't waste their time there. Okay, they don't go for healing meetings and all. They may go to help out in the ministering part, but not to listen. All that stuff they know. But they want to know the things that is revealed to the church about God, which they do not know. Yes. Though, angels are always interested to know more about God and Christ. There are a lot of things which angels do not know, like the entire 
entire mystery of the cross and Jesus' incarnation, everything. Angels had no clue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no clue. And the prophets are all preaching this in the Old Testament, but they had no clue. They didn't understand. The prophets didn't understand. And how does the revelation come through? I am sure every meeting of Paul, they were there. Hallelujah. Every letter they read. Peter, James, all of them, because they were understanding the things of God. You know, and Revelation is still going on. I'm not saying he's adding to the books, but the books that have been given, revelatory meetings go, messages go, and they listen. And they are, ex- they are excited because they worship God, they love God, they want to know more about God. So they are not like us. They don't sleep nor slumber in a meeting. They never say the meeting is too long. They have no issues with any of those things. They love it because they love God. They love God. Okay? And this is it. If you ask me, do angels come for meetings? I believe they do. Yes. I believe the company of angels are there in meetings where revelation of God is given. Yes. Actually, uh, the, 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 word, the verse which you showed in First Peter chapter 1, mm. it's angels, does that look into it? It's actually the, mm. a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, into the uh, Ark of the Covenant, the angels are looking. And what do you have? You have the t- tablets of stone. Mm. You have the pot of manna. And then you have the, uh, rod, the rod of Aaron, which is but essentially the life of Christ. Mm. And the angels are looking at the life of Christ and studying and understanding it through the church. And they look at it all and they didn't understand. Mm. The revelation is coming through, through the, the church. the church now, yes. No, the church the, the is the one who is giving. You see, there's a difference between I talking about myself to you, I talking about myself to my wife. It's always a difference. Yes. Right? Absolutely. The way Christ reveals himself to the angels and to his bride are two different things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Christ will reveal himself to the church, which is his bride. Yes. Because her interest in him is different from the angels' interest in him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the angels will get lots of stuff. You know, like you say, uh, you may say something about me to my wife. And my wife will somebody say, no, you're not like that. <laughs> and you will never contradict her. Because you always know she knows better than uh, anybody else. Okay, In the same way... The revelation the church has about Christ, the, the angels will never contradict. They will say, okay, you know better. He will speak to you more. He will speak to you more. So angels definitely, I personally believe, angels are there for Bible studies to learn about Christ through the church. Pastor. And do the, by the way, principalities, powers also mean powers of darkness. They never miss a Bible study. <laughs> they are also there. Pastor, there was one question. I think it's it's the same train of thought because it's talking about the word of God. I want to just we we'll look at that one question yeah, and then which one is that? The, it's question number four. Four. It's uh, because we're studying about the word. It okay. says, "Why are women not allowed to preach? Is it because there are no examples of women preaching the Bible, or is it because they are weaker than men?" <laughs> well, I don't uh, believe women are not allowed to preach. Actually, women preach more than men, especially in their homes. <laughs> we preach outside, they preach to us, and maybe they are the ones who inspire us to preach to the world, okay? No, I'm just kidding, okay? My wife, thank God I'm not going home today. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 2. Okay. Let us look at that. Before we go over there, let us, let's go to, first let's go to the book of Acts. We'll go from there. So we have to get this misunderstanding off. Okay, we have to misunderstanding off. If you go to First uh, Acts chapter two and verse seventeen, 
when Peter is preaching from Joel's prophecy, he says, It shall come to pass in the last day, says the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Okay, so it says your sons and daughters shall prophesy. To prophesy basically means to reveal the mysteries of Christ, to speak. They shall speak. They shall prophesy. So men and women are called to prophesy. Okay, first get this very, very clear. Mm. They are called. There's no restriction in women from prophesying. Then you go in order. If you go in order, you know, if you come to Corinth, if you come to chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, okay, as a church, what Paul is trying to do is bring order in the church, okay? You don't want confusion in the church, so he's trying to bring order. So, if you look at uh, chapter 11 and uh, verse 3 onwards, okay, he puts the order. Now, it, I want you to know the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So, he brings headship over there. Look at the, the order in which the thought goes. Then verse 4. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Mm. So he brings honor there. So the man is praying or prophesying. Okay? And then verse 5. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. So she prays and she prophesies. The man prays, the man prophesies. Okay? Okay. Then. If he comes, he says, no, <clears throat> then he comes further down, he will say, okay, verse 6, if a woman is not covered, let her also be shown. But if it's shameful for a woman to be shown or shaved, let her be covered. Now he's telling about when you are praying or prophesying, what is the difference? What is the difference? How should a man pray and prophesy? How should a woman pray and prophesy? This is talking about in public. When you are in public, okay? For a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image, he is the image and glory of God and woman is the glory. So three things are brought over here. Headship, honor, glory. You have to go through this content. Otherwise you will get all mixed up. What he see? Incredibly inspired by the Holy Spirit against everything of his Hebrew upbringing Mm. and teaching and lifelong practice as a Pharisee. He's writing something which is the most difficult thing for a man to do, which is difficult for a woman now, because culture has changed. And we are looking at culture. But if you were to look at the Hebraic culture, what he's writing is very difficult for the man. So he's talking about headship, he's talking about honor, he's talking about glory. So what is he talking about? In the house of God, when the word is being, whether you are praying or prophesying, only God should receive glory. Man should not take glory. Because this is the house of God. There is only one who deserves glory. It is man and man alone. So when man is preaching, his head should not be covered. Because he reflects the glory of God. And that way he brings honor to God. So if he covers his head, he is taking glory to himself. And he is honoring himself by covering the glory of God and the honor due to God. Now on the other hand, the woman brings glory to man. So, scripture says, let her cover herself. This is the fundamental principle. People don't realize it's got to do with glory, honor, and headship. Glory, honor, and headship. And he says, the woman is the glory of man. And if you go to verse 8, okay, for man is not from woman, woman is from man. So, man was created for woman, woman for man. So, all this from Genesis onwards is a 
For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. He goes beyond Genesis, the creation of man. He goes all the way to the fall of the angels. The fall of the angels, he says, you know what? The angels did not come under authority. One third of the angels refused to come under authority, refused to give honor to God, refused to glorify God. So right now in heaven, there are two thirds who come under authority, who honor God and bring glory to God. One third who refuses to come under God's headship, to honor him or bring glory. He says he's starting something here on earth. And he's saying, on earth, I will have glory from both man and woman who will come under authority. So the Jewish man who is coming like this thing, cover your head when you pray is like going everything to which what he has been brought up. It's difficult for man, but he covers. He covers his head. He, sorry, he uncovers his head because you always have the prayer shawl. The high priest had its uh, cap, my turban, all those things were there. Everything is removed. And here, the woman has to cover. So don't go into Corinth culture. And like I said, I will never accept any interpretation where you have to bring secular culture to interpret the word of God because I believe the word of God can stand on its own. Yes. On its own. On its own. Okay, it can stand on its own because everybody who is trying to give an explanation about covering or not covering will go to secular culture and talk about Corinth. And I don't want to know Corinth's culture. I want to know about Corinth's culture. I only want to know what the word of God says. Because if Corinth culture was that, it would have been given as footnotes by Paul. I'm telling you because this is Corinth culture. He didn't say anything about that. And when he comes to the end of it, this is what... No, this is what. So, can a woman prophesy? Yes. When a woman prophesies or speaks, she has to be very, very clear that she is under headship. She cannot be the head. She is under a man. Yes. She's under a man. I mean, can you, can my wife speak? My wife has spoken many times. But when does she speak? Either he says or I say you can speak. That's when she speaks. So she knows she has not standing there on her own. She has under a man's authority. She's under a man's authority. That's the only time a woman speaks because she's saying, and as a symbol of it, she covers. She's saying, I have a head. I have a head, therefore my head is not, I'm not bringing glory to my husband or honoring my husband. I'm covering it because if I take it, I'm, and that is the simple thing. You know, you will always see in the Bible, throughout the Bible, when a woman is mentioned, she's always mentioned with her father or with her husband. Amen. Always. Even Deborah, the wife of, you want to pick up people, Hulda, the wife of, okay? So, or Philip had eight daughters who prophesied, okay? Always, meaning, they were always connected with the headship. So always connected with the headship. So that is always there. So can woman prophesy? Yes, she can. Then let's go further. And God, Paul will say at the end of it that there is no other order. If anybody has any, if you want to fight about it, go fight about it. But in the house of God, there is nothing else. This is the order in which he says, okay, so please don't fight with me. When you go to heaven, fight with Paul. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> but knowing how his brain works, you will have no answers. This is 1 Timothy chapter 2. Pastor. Then we go to yeah chapter 2 Timothy. of 1 Timothy again. Okay? Verse 11 onwards. If you look at it, you will see incredibly how... No, if you, if you look at it, you will understand how well God knows man and women. 
and age doesn't change. Age meaning age is time. Centuries doesn't make any difference. Culture doesn't make any difference. Nations doesn't make any difference. He's the creator. He knows us. Before we go to verse 11, let's go to verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. Okay. Yeah. I desire therefore men pray everywhere, lifting, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So the first thing he says is, he says, I know men. Men are short-tempered. And they have an issue with anger. So when men pray, I always tell you, before you pray, deal with your anger. Because he knows that. Man, the first man over there, Cain, to the last man on earth, is an angry man. Because that's his nature. He's short-tempered. But that's not a woman's nature, naturally. Okay? So verse 9, in like manner also, but the woman is not talking about her anger or anything. He says, no, she's more interested in how she's dressed. Has it ever changed? In 6,000 years, man is still angry and the woman is still interested in her clothes. <laughs> See, he's the creator. That's the way he created us. That's the way he's created us. So he says, men, okay, men, you have issues, okay, you have issues with anger, and you have issues with doubt. Issues with doubt. Okay, men have issues with doubt. Okay, you know, Abraham is a very doubting not doubting Thomas, is a doubting Abraham. He had made a, the women are not so much doubtful. It's not because they are sure about it. It's because they are sure in their emotions. It's not that everything the woman thinks is right, but because they are emotional creatures, they will go ahead and do it because they are pummeled by emotions. I'm absolutely sure. But there's not much reason over there. The man is not an emotional guy. He's more a reasonable guy. And because he's reasonable, he's thinking the pros and the cons and everything else. Okay, so that's why he's talking about man. God knows us. God knows us very, very, very well. Very, very well. So he says, a man has issue with doubt. A man struggles with his reasoning it out. He has to struggle with doubt. Woman has issues with her clothing, with her hair and ornaments and everything. Everything is there. Till nine. Whole thing is there. Then he says, okay, verse 11, 10. Okay, let it, okay. In which is proper, which is, which is proper for women, professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And it brings over there. Learn. Okay? Come further. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Did you understand headship? Understand honor? Understand glory? Is I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man but to be in silence and the argument the Holy Spirit gives him goes all the way to Genesis chapter 1 and you cannot refute that argument he goes all the way Adam was formed first and not then Eve it's simply the question of order Whenever we say, whenever we say order in the Trinity, we always say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the order? Yeah, so the, when the Son comes, He says, "I will never speak about myself; only speak about the Father." Okay, it's Spirit. not about equality; they are equal. Yeah. The Holy Spirit comes; He says, "He will not speak about Himself; will only speak about the, the Son. Son." So even there, there is an order. Yes. It's not that the Father was formed before the Son because they were self-existing from the beginning; they have no beginning, no end. But there is an order over there, so He brings order over here. He says, "You see, there is something called order." There's something called order. Adam was formed first and Eve came afterwards. So there is an order. And when it comes to order, I do not allow a woman to have authority over man. Authority. And you need to realize you, in any system that has to function, you need to have order. If both the husband and the wife are head, how will you? How will, how will house, husband, how will house function? Division. You'll have. There will be only division. <laughs> only division. 
Okay, it's not talking about the woman may be smarter than. Imagine as they're entering into, into, let's look at the actual issue over there. Okay, look at over there. The smart one, the wise one, the one with faith is Sarah. The foolish one is Abraham. So Abraham says, you are pretty. They will take you because of me. So tell everybody you are my sister. And she agrees. Supposing she doesn't agree. And typical Indian wife, she starts fighting. Imagine she says that. There is a massive fight going. I'm going back to my father's house. Where can she go? Go back to Haran? You know, it would have been a different narrative altogether. But that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And scripture says, she submits to husband. Though his counsel was wrong. And God protects her. You know, this is something which we need to understand, you know. And the Bible, Peter will bring this out has to, about has to, without giving into fear. I will give you a simple example so that you will understand. Imagine I have two children sitting here, two of my children. Imagine two of my children are sitting here. Okay, of the five, two are sitting here. Or all the five. And they're all small. Imagine they are all small. And they've been taught, respect the elders, listen to the elder ones, love each other and all. All five are sitting over there. Okay, now the eldest one tells the youngest one, "Hey, do this." Okay, and uh, the youngest one does it. But you know, the youngest one is not afraid of the eldest one ever taking advantage and you missing it out. You know why? Because I'm sitting there and watching, sitting there and watching. So I'm sitting there, they're all playing over there, they're all playing with their toys and everything. And at the, even they though fight at this thing and all, they know one thing, no harm will come to each other. You know what? Daddy's eyes are upon me. The strength to submit only comes for people who know God's eyes are upon me. So I can never be harmed by this decision. I will never lose. He's watching over me. That's why Ephesians will say, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. And then says, wife, submit your husbands. So Sarah is absolutely a woman of faith where Abraham is doubting. And she knows no harm can come to me because the God of my husband, Abraham, is watching over me. He's my God too. I cannot come to harm. And actually God intervenes and takes her out without anything, no, any help from Abraham. That is how you have to look at submission in any situation, between a husband or a wife or children to the parents or employee, employee, everywhere. The only way you can really, really submit is because you know, my God's eyes are upon me. I cannot be harmed. Out of it, only good will come. If you know, if it not now, eternally it will come to it. Therefore, you are able to submit. So he puts over here a incredible argument by saying Adam was formed first and then Eve. The order. Then he comes to verse 14 and goes further. Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Okay? Into transgression. So he says, what is he talking about? The woman is more susceptible to deception. Why? Primarily, generally speaking, we are not picking specific cases. You cannot take a specific case and say, look, in this case, the woman was smarter. Abraham was the one who was fooled. Sarah was. We are, not, we are talking about God's word, generally speaking. And the simple reason is, simply is because what happens is uh, emotions. Women are primarily led by emotions. And uh, God made them that way. That's why they are called a weaker vessel. Okay, now you look at the U.S. Marines, some of them are women. You don't look at their face and say you are weak. They will kick you down. Okay, it's not talking about that. But emotionally, they are still weak. They are still weak. If you are a Marine in the U.S. Army and a woman does not mean when your husband shouts at you, you may not cry. You are still weak. 
Emotionally, you are mad, uh, made that, not mad, but made that way, okay? You are, you know. So the problem is, the question is about leadership. If you have to take a decision, do you want emotions to make a decision? Or do you want reason to make a decision? It's a simpler question of decision making. And if the woman is the head, then if she makes a decision, then you have to go by it. You have to go by it. And that's what happens with weak leadership. Ahab was a weak man. And Jezebel was a strong woman. Strong woman. And you know, the entire mess is created by Jezebel. Entire crisis. Entire. And uh, Ahab, and actually, <laughs> Elijah and Elisha commissioned to kill Jezebel. Not Ahab so much. It's Jezebel who is the power. So you need to realize under that is that a woman can be much more deadlier than a man. Deadlier than a man deadlier than a man. And you always often see that. And that's what is happening. So who God knows. Okay, so if, how did the fall of man begin? It didn't begin with man. It began with woman. And God knows that. So he says, this is the way in the church. He is recreating. The new creation is starting. In the new creation, there has to be order. And in that new order, he is saying, this is the way it is. So God is not saying a woman cannot teach. But primarily, he says, woman can pray, she can prophesy, edify, encourage, all that, but she should never be the person who sets doctrine. Yes. Never be the person who sets doctrine. Let that be from man. Because doctrine is setting something in which you live by and walk by. That's been, I mean, I have seen pastors, godly, great pastors, all of them, stretching and straining at straws to find somebody like, you know, what is that couple's name? Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla. But you know, God doesn't have to go to go. I mean, you don't have to dig and dig and to find, but you will see in the new covenant, there's no woman leadership at all. And when the rules of leadership is given both in Timothy and Titus, it says that the overseer be the husband uh, of. One man. It does not say wife of or wife of. It doesn't say. I'm sorry. Yes. The elder be the husband of does not say wife of. It does not say. So it is there. It is there. Okay, it is there. So I'm not saying, but exigencies are there. You see judges like Deborah, Hulda. Extreme situations may require uh, extraordinary solutions. So there are powerful women leaders in underground churches. Okay, so you, you cannot negate those facts out. Because those situations demanded them to rise like Deborah rose. When there was nobody to speak, she rose. And in those kind of situations, there are no men to speak, they rose. You look at US today. Look at that place that is blocked in called Chop and Chas and all. They want to create an independent nation and all. Who are the two people who have gone there and spoken to those people? Two over black, the, two black ladies. ladies. Yes. Two black ladies. I, know, I, just, I didn't see any men speaking over there. Two black preachers. Two African-American ladies are going there and speaking to them and telling them, open your eyes. You don't know what you're getting it. The Democrats are just fooling you. Okay, sometimes women are very, emotions are very, sometimes you need emotions to get into some kind of, a reasonable man will sit there and say, maybe I should write an epistle to the people sitting over there. Nobody's going to read it. Mm. And the women will go there and speak. And they will speak without fear. So you have to look at all this, but we are talking about the ideal situation. God always talks about ideal situations. In an ideal situation, this is it. Like I said, if you forget the big picture, the actual picture, God is a family man. Mm. God is not interested in 
companies and MNCs, the first woman CEO. He's not interested in any of those things. When he looks down, the first air, air force officer, the first woman to fly a jet, he's not interested in any of these things. These are technical skills. Anybody can. If you really train, you can even train a dog to fly. It's not a big thing at all. Because these are not things. These are not, I mean, people, women fight for equality in things which have no relevance in life. No? No relevance. We are not talking about those things. Women are equal to men. So is the son and the father. They are equal. The scripture says he humbled himself and came under his father and therefore we have salvation. Otherwise there is no salvation for mankind. So, God is a family man, and in the family man, he gives verse 15. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith. Now, it is not, when you use the term childbearing, it's not talking about giving birth to children. It is basically talking about childbearing and child rearing. That's why you have sayings in English, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. You know, it's the mother in so many ways defines the children. Because she's the one. The children see the first five years of their life. She's the one who's all around. She's the one. They look at him. And God says, you know what? Do you know what's the state of this world? You know why the world is an absolute total mess? It's because the woman left the home. Because she was told it's demeaning to be a full-time mother. God says that is the most exalted position a woman can ever receive in my sight is to be a mother. Why is Mary called the most blessed of all women? How, I mean, if all, of all women, who is the most blessed according to scripture? Mary. Why? Because she mothered his son. She mothered his son. That's the reason. We know nothing else about Mary other than the fact she brought up Jesus Christ. We know Joseph is a carpenter. We know Joseph is a carpenter. But we know Mary is a mother. Mary is a mother. So she did something in his life. And we have to look at it that. And no, that is where our issue comes. So we will always have to go back and I always tell women. So shouldn't women do things? I said, no. If you can balance both. God alone knows whether you can balance both. Hmm. Okay. Only God alone knows. If you know you can do something outside your house without it costing your children in the long term, spiritually, then go out. If you hear from God, you know you can do it, do it. Otherwise, remain single and do whatever you want. Otherwise, your children will pay the price. Will pay the price. Your children will pay the price. So, turn to Titus now. Chapter 2. Verse 1 to 3. One to four. Oh, one, oh, yeah, one onwards, let's three. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. He's telling Titus, when you teach, when you speak, speak things which are according to doctrine that is sound in God's kingdom in his eyes. That older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. Older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. What are older women supposed to do? They're supposed to teach and model to the younger women what they should be. To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may be Blast, may not be blasted. This is sound doctrine. Super. Mm. This is sound doctrine. Mm. 
sound doctrine. Meaning women's meeting should be taken by women. Once in a while, I have gone only twice for our women's meeting, when they said, can you come and give an input? But actually, women's meeting should be taken by the older women, who will be able to teach the younger women how they should behave, raise up kids, run their homes, do stuff, so the word of God may not be blasphemed. Blasphemed. No? no I mean, you may hate me, you may dislike me, you can say anything, but I personally feel when the woman left the home, from there, everything started. The rise of the homosexual movement, LGBTQ movement, all this, if you see it, started with the woman leaving her home. And the children were abandoned. And then all kinds of things started happening in unsupervised homes. Unsupervised homes, where the mother was in there to watch the children. There was child abuse, boys molesting boys, older boys molesting younger boys, girls molesting girls, homosexuality tendencies, gay, LG, gender identity, every confusion went because those two pairs of eyes, that one pair of eyes, which was supposed to watch over the most precious persons on earth, the children, God says, you bore unto me. He says, the children are not yours, they are my children. You bore unto me. He says, I gave you that life to watch over them. And I believe the mess we see today, it's because they failed. And we failed. We men pushed our women to work because we thought two incomes will have us get us more things. But now, are you satisfied with the things? Lockdown. 90 plus days of lockdown. How many things do you need? How many things you need? So you have to look at it. So uh, it, it's an entire sermon in itself. But this is the truth. This is the values of God. And then when you come into heaven, there's no male, no female, exactly. there's no marriage, nothing. Each one will be judged and rewarded according to a woman who ruled her house well, who raised up her ch children well, were godly, they sought God because they saw their mother. That woman may get a crown, there's no male, female, and rule over ten cities. Well, a husband who, who pushed his wife to work and messed up the children may said work under her. <laughs> So everything is got to nothing to do with now. It's got to come to do with eternity. Mm. Everybody is looking now. Oh, I will miss out on life. God says nobody who has obeyed me has ever missed out on life. Amen. Because this is not life. Life is coming. This is just a shadow. That is the substance. That's how you look at life. That's what you look at life. You know? And that's what we have to teach the sisters. That's Trust true. God. Keep life simple. Watch over your children. Protect them. And model after them. And this, Paul tells Timothy, is sound doctrine. So can women prophesy? Yes, they can. They can. But whenever you prophesy, when you speak, whatever sitting, one, don't teach men. Don't teach doctrine to men. As far as possible, avoid that. Avoid that. Second, see that you proclaim inwardly and outwardly. You are a woman under authority. You're a woman under authority. God will honor you. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Amen. Would to God that more women will rise up in these last days. Yes. Like, absolutely. Hallelujah. Pastor, so we'll, so very important question that which we left last, last week. Yeah. It's question number 11. Um, just want to tackle that. It says, God says the iniquity will be visited on the third and fourth generations. But are we not in the new covenant? Please explain this on Saturday. We, we serve a merciful God. Why do our kids and grandkids have to suffer for our sin? Beats me, bothers me too. See, uh, I know it's a painful, tough question. 
but the concept has the, the scriptural concept has more than one level of meaning first thing let me tell you what it means is no iniquity is uh, let's put across like uh, diabetes i have diabetes no i don't have diabetes <laughs> let's say i have diabetes uh, isn't there an incredibly strong chance my children will have it yes yeah yes dr richard yes and my children children will also have it yeah chances are there because it is passed down genetically so we accept a lot of stuff that is genetically passed down when it comes to our bodies physical bodies in the same way what happens is i also pass my spiritual traits on to my children to my children and the thing is that if i want it to change it's simply like that what you sow you reap if you don't like the harvest you change the seed yes you change the seed but the problem the problem is this you also need this concept what you have already sown the seed it's out of your hand right when i'm seeing i've sown a seed i can change it my life what is it gone beyond my life can i change david sowed a seed the consequences came god said the sword shall not depart your house that is the iniquity you shed innocent blood so blood will be shed in your family did that mean all his sons died no all his sons did not die so even there the sons were working within their free will and some in their free will were bent in choosing evil mm. and they chose evil and some did not some did not and the one who should have chosen evil did not choose evil at all the one who should have chosen evil most that was solomon because his best son did not so it is there okay so it is there and then i will also tell you is that there are other stuff that happens like uh let us say let us say my father or my grandfather let us imagine my father or grandfather let us say was a gentile they were in imagine they were a, they were a gentile and very religious very religious so he goes and he goes to his deity and he makes an offering to the deity and says this is what i say all the sons in my family let us say just a lot of people do that sons in my family will serve you and anyone who does not serve you let him die Hmm. now it's a vow it's a vow right jeftha said it right jeftha said it right and uh, jacob said it jacob said it laban came three days caught up with jacob and his gang and he said why did you steal away without even saying goodbye to my children and why did you steal my idols jacob had no clue Rachel had stolen the idols of his household. He had and she was sitting on it. He said I did not steal your idols and if anybody in my camp has stolen idols let him die. This hmm. is and she was sitting on the idol and Laban and his servants are searching into every saddle bag everything when it come to Rachel Rachel said I cannot get up because I am having my periods. So he leaves her alone. But it was her and you know a little later Rachel will die. 
in childbirth. And I believe her death is directly related to this. Because the enemy was looking for an opening. Looking for an opening. And scripture says life and death is in the power of the tongue. So what can you do? Is only thing you can do is that stand in the gap, cancel out all the vows, but you vows that has been made. See, I can cancel out every vow that has been made over my life. But what if my children are there and they are I do not even know. I am unaware of it. And uh, they are uh, old enough to make their decisions on. And sometimes I will realize I have no power to change their destiny. They have to meet God. They have to meet God. And God has to change. And you will see that happening in Bible. No, Rachel gives birth to Jacob and Jacob, uh, sorry, Benjamin. And she's miserable. She's dying. And in her misery, she calls him Benoni, mm-hmm. son of my sorrow, sorrow, grief. And Jacob hears it. He understands principle. So he immediately changes it and says, son of my right hand, right hand Benjamin. Yeah. And you will always see this conflict with Benjamin, Benjaminites. Mm. These two of father, mother, both authority figures, both speaking over the 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 son so you will see son of sorrow and sometimes ago so you have two what you call parents speaking two contrary things over your life which will prevail ultimately depends upon you decision that you make yes your decision you will make both are there both can come true so in king saul says the mothers will come true he's a benjaminite and he will become a son of sorrow in paul's case what the father says will come true he becomes a man of god's right hand your choice is now over there but what has been spoken cannot be taken back cannot be taken back it can be only cancelled out either by self or somebody higher and more powerful than you that's how it works that's why when Jacob steals the blessings which was rightfully him, but he steals it with a lie by telling his father, I am Esau. And nothing can change. He said, I am Esau. So what happens is for the next 20 years, Esau flourishes. Because if he is Esau, then I am Jacob. So he's run. So the fellow about whom God says the younger the elder shall serve the younger. What is happening? Jacob is serving Esau mm-hmm. for 20 years because he is now Esau and he is Jacob. So he is a slave to his father-in-law, living in fear, 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 fear. And Esau in his father's house is prospering, 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 prospering because you cannot steal a blessing. It has to come to you rightfully. Okay, 20 years later at that brook when God... Uh, struggles to put this man right, breaks his hip bone or dislocates his hip bone. Then he says, let me go. He says, unless you bless me. He says, what's your name? Because everything is connected with what he lied to his father. What's your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. And he says, okay, now it is going to be reversed. And I'm going to change your name. From today, you will not be Jacob. You will be from Israel. And from there, you will see Jacob's life changes. Immediate narrative. He meets God face to face. Names that place Peniel. Scripture says the sun rose above him. Esau is coming to meet him. He's no longer afraid. Limping, he runs to meet. What has changed? Because a curse has been broken. How did the curse come? Out of his own mouth. Out of his own mouth. When he said he was Esau, what God had told his mother, the elder shall serve the younger, prophetically became true for him. So words had its power. The vows have its power. God's promises had its power. So God says, you know, this is the power of iniquity, good or bad. Now, iniquity is, of course, always negative. But what I'm talking about, a blessing or a curse. 
So if you want to escape it in Christ Jesus, you have to die completely to yourself in Christ Jesus. Completely fine. That's the reason we teach. You know what? To get people escape from their past. Mm. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new, new creation. creation. The old things have passed away. So every day you wake up and say the old things have passed away. I don't want to think. I don't want to live that old life, Lord. If the old life comes along with comes all the curses that is associated from Adam down. Yes. I don't want to even go there, Lord. Yes, I want to yes, live yes. in the new person. And help me. And children sometimes suffer. Children sometimes die. I will tell you exactly how it happens. I'll tell you exactly what happens. How do I explain? Because this is important. Especially if your family has a history of occult. And this occult vows. It's important to understand this. Like I said, let us say my grandfather made a vow to some deity. Let us forget Indian deities. Let us bring uh, Egyptian deities. So nobody will fight with me. Let us say Horus or Ra, or Osiris, or Isis, okay? All are Egyptian deities. He went to Ra and made in his rituals, he meets Ra and makes all the sons in my family will serve Ra or Horus. Or Horus, by the way, is in your one dollar knot. You will see the pyramid and that little attached and the all-seeing eye. That's not God. That's Horus. It's a Freemason symbol. That's why I said Horus. Okay, so you made a vow to Horus, Egyptian God. Okay. And then imagine my father. He had five children. All the children are small. <coughs> Three sons, small sons. Okay. And imagine the vow was made about sons. All small sons. And then my father comes to the Lord. Father comes to the Lord. As soon as father comes to the Lord, the Ra sees there is danger here. The danger is here. He's come to the Lord. I cannot touch him. So before the children come, he takes the children out. And so many people's children die because the enemy realizes before that can happen, let them, let them be taken out. Let me be taken out. Lot of things are there. I'll show you from scripture, okay? I'll show you from scripture. Turn to the book of Job. The first book in the Bible, the book of Job. Pastor Vijay was preaching about this also a couple of days back. Okay, first chapter 1 and verse 2. Job had seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Okay? And verse 4 onwards. 4 and 5. His sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So I don't know whether they feasted seven days a week. <laughs> I don't know. They just ate and drank. This way, I mean, see, you can have an incredible... I mean, you look at, look at words, uh, verse 1. Verse 1. Verse 1. Verse 1. Okay. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. The man was blameless, upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. This is the man. What do his children do? Eat, drink and be merry. You can be the most godly father in the world and have no effect on your children at all. Children at all. Okay. He's got ten children. All they like is eat, drink and be merry. merry. And what do they do? They eat, drink and be merry. And the father is a godly man. The children are grown up. He has no power to change their ways, their thinking, their actions. So what does he do? Verse 5. 
So it was when the days of feasting had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning, offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. But Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. This Job did regularly. All he can do is pray for them and sanctify them from outwardly. They are not going to get sanctified inwardly. Mm. If they ever got sanctified inwardly, their parties would stop. Yes. Okay. So what has happened? They have broken the hedge. The devil comes. The devil comes. And God says, don't touch Job. Cannot touch Job. Can't touch the rest. Okay. Can't touch the rest. Now, you also have to understand God is righteous. He simply doesn't allow things to happen like that. These are adult children. They've gone their way. The father is praying. He's offering sacrifices. And then still the children are not, cannot be protected. Okay, don't worry, Vijay, it's just an insect, okay? Okay, so what happens? The children, children die. Now, go to the book of Job again. Okay, chapter 3 and verse 25. For the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dread has happened to me. Let's see. He always feared this was going to happen. Always feared this was happening. Now we don't know what uh, Job's grandfather was. Father was. Maybe the father, Job's father was a party man. Maybe his grandfather loved eating, drinking and this thing. And so it just passed over Job. Job decided to be straightened out. See, Abraham lies, Isaac lies, Jacob is a liar. Joseph is the most honest man you will ever meet in that generation. Because he chose not to go that way. While the other ten boys are absolute crooks. So we do not know how it happened. But we know it happened. It happened. So we also need to realize when things happen in our children's life, if they are minor children, move in fast. Move in fast. Fast. Pray. Plead the blood. Break every occult vow. Everything that has been made, whichever line it is. Meaning your own children. That's all you can do. You cannot do in the rest of your family. Like you are five brothers and your children, their children. You come to the Lord, the devil sees and kills their children also. Because he suddenly realizes this is dangerous. Mm. This is dangerous. Dangerous. Because the vow was made for everybody's children. Okay? Everybody's children. It was made for everybody's children. What happened to the children? Leave it alone. I do believe those children are safe and God is a father. He loves children. But what I am saying is that how you break the hedge, the snake bites. The Bible is very, very clear. The snake bites. Okay, snake bites. So you have to look at all those things and understand why God says stay in Christ, walk in Christ, because that way you lay uh, you know, again, coming to the second, the earlier question, that's where I believe the mothers come into the picture. The mothers watch over their children. Watch over their children with a hawk's eye. Watch over their children. You know, this is the most important responsibility I have in my life. And I will watch over my children, protect my children. The father and the mother prays over the children. And you are safe. Amen. What happened? Everything is okay? <laughs> you heard some comments? <laughs> huh? Oh, it was a lizard. Mm. Oh, a lizard god. Okay, wizard. Uh, it's a favorite being. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's petrified of lizards. So I love them. I don't love them. I don't mind them. So the thing is, uh, even when the when Jesus was uh, being handed over to Pilate, mm. 
the Jewish people say, let his blood be upon us and, and our, our children. children. And that is one of the reasons why they are the most toughest people to reach to. Even not tough. It's not the toughest thing. They have suffered much because of that statement they have made. Now that doesn't give anybody the justification, the right to be anti-Semitic. Yes, yes, yes. Still God's Abraham's race. Amen. God has a separate covenant and a remnant of them will come through. But that word, say one of the worst words they could say, let his blood be yeah, upon us and our children. You know how many years it took to put coming to pass? 30 years. By 70 AD, Titus came and they say over a million Jews were massacred and they burned the city down. They burned the temple down. Nothing was left. And Jesus had said not even one stone, stone will sit because it was all gold and the gold melted to take the gold out. They took stone out of stone so that the word was literally prophesied. You know why it all happened? Because of what they said. And it's, we understand in legal parlance, like now if my, my father sold my first house, can I go back to that guy and say it's my house? He said, go jump in the lake. Your father sold it, I have the paper, it's mine. No, it is mine, I am his son. He said, just move before I call the cops. No, words have power in the spiritual realm. It has power. No, that's, way, that's the way it has been given. You know, and we have to be merciful, walk with God, be very, very careful about it, really, really careful about it. And that's why God says about the unity between the man and the woman. The two are not, you are not two, you are one. You have to function as one entity. Like when Jesus came on earth, he and the Holy Spirit and the Father functioned as one. There's absolutely no discord between any one of them ever. Otherwise there would be discord in, in the creation. And he says that's the way the husband and wife has to work. And the man is the head, the woman is the neck. Hmm. Walk together so your children will be safe. Amen. You can raise up a home where God can dwell. Pastor, so yes. on the same lines, we'll tackle question number two, Pastor. Two? Yes, because it's coming. I mean, that's the thought process. So all you can do, would say, like the solution is keep repenting, keep asking God for mercy, keep the plead the blood upon your children, and keep keep interceding. Stand in the gap and intercede. God will show. Uh, and pursue righteousness. Mm. Like I said in one of the messages, one of the one of the greatest, I think it's Psalm 37. Let me give you the verses. Yes, I've seen... Yeah, Psalm 37, the exact verses, Psalm 37, yeah, uh, 25, okay, and 26. I have been young, now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Yes. So God says one of the things you can do as a parent is keep seeking righteousness. Keep seeking righteousness. Because if you keep seeking, not only you will not be forsaken, your descendants will not be forsaken. Descendants won't be forsaken. I will remember. You know why every time Israel cried, why God heard? Because I remember my covenant with Abraham, Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. You know why? Abraham was righteous. And he says, I will not forsake your descendants. Every time you see, he will say, I remember. The righteousness of Abraham was passing down from generation to generation to generation. So there was always a set of people called the remnant, others who rebelled and went away, but the remnant who never, God always protected, always kept them and always brought them through. It's because one man sought righteousness that was apart from the works of the law by faith. No, that's that's what you do. You have to seek righteousness. So God will say, you know, Lord, somewhere down the line, somewhere down the line, what will happen is my children will be touched by you. 
you will they will not lack bread what is bread the word of god see what life of god more than the word of god he says i am the bread that has come from heaven lord my children don't need bread they are they are all managing no problem so we are not talking about physical bread we are looking for something else lord they will find life i believe lord they will find life and they will be blessed somewhere down the line god will do it that's what we do yes pastor vijay pastor question number 2 on the same lines i believe it's uh, it kind of tags and tags yeah. along with uh, what we've talked about it says after david wrote psalm 51 did he not sin anymore no more adultery no more lying no more dishonesty question so when you fail to meet god's standard does he disqualify you when he called you at 50 you decide you are not ready does he truly pass you by you said god can skip you and choose somebody else does he not give you another chance explain contrite heart please okay first thing i want to mention is is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant nobody in the old covenant could ever overcome sin simply impossible because they were not born of the spirit they fought sin they overcame to incredible levels and after writing psalm 51 also david sinned we know about the senses and a lot of things you know how he went but we are talking about the way he fell that way he never fell again in that area he never fell again so we are not talking about david living a uh, a perfect life no he lived a blameless life repentance and he fulfilled god's purpose acts 1336 or something says he fulfilled god's uh, 1536 yeah 1536 Ah, this is 1536 i yeah. think it's 15 13 15 or 13 36 david fulfilled yes, 1336 1336 let's check it out so david after had served his own generation by the will of god fell asleep okay so that's what we are talking about so old testament people it's not it's not about talking. new testament what we have the advantage is first we are a new creation they were never a new creation they were an old creation struggling and struggling to get better but we are a new creation all altogether new creation our old is not counted at all we get a absolutely new start hmm. new start we are born again by christ jesus and then we are called put into this race in this race we have to overcome sin flesh the world powers of darkness and that the holy spirit is given and because we are born the exactly the way jesus was born not not exactly the way but similar like born of the spirit okay born of the spirit we can win the same way he won that is given and but because we have the old nature also inside us unlike him the fallen nature he was tempted did not sin we tempted we sinned without being tempted and then we sinned more with temptation also <laughs> so we have that nature and that all that bent in us therefore when we sin we have an advocate but we can overcome unlike the old testament people we can overcome so we see the difference with the old covenant saints and the new covenant saints so we, we absolutely we can overcome and walk blameless before god i'm not talking about perfection okay we are not perfection let me put it across <coughs> the ex, um the way i i've heard zakpan and explain it once beautifully simple language he said <coughs> imagine your child is in uh, class 2 and uh, he brings his math paper and he's got 100 out of 100 he say perfect does that mean if you give him a class 3 math paper he'll get 100 no no meaning he's perfect for class 2 okay 
he goes to class 3, he still can get 100 in class 3 if he learns the lessons of class 3. And he gets again 100 in class 3. Do you think if you give him class 5 paper, he'll get 100? No. If you give him class 5 paper, he may get 0. A class 3 student who was examined in a class 5 question paper, if he gets 0, does that it mean he's imperfect? No. We gave him the wrong question paper, which God doesn't do. Mm-hmm. God doesn't do. God is only saying, according to the knowledge you have received yes. of God, and the power which you have understood of God, be blameless. And keep growing. Mm. Keep growing. Keep growing. That's all he said. Like you were saved in the year 2000, during this pandemic. And before the pandemic has finished, he comes. You should be just be perfect for the time and the season you were given. That's all. And you may get a crown, which others who got saved years before you may not get. Mm. Because you were found perfect for your age. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all. <clears throat> But that doesn't mean a class 2 kid will go to class 3 and class 4 and class 5 and he gets 50 in class 3, 40 in class 6 and every time he shows his class 2 answer paper, see I got 100. It's pointless. It's also pointless. It's pointless. Oh, I won over lying in 2019. God says, but you're struggling with something else. No, we know over that. Hmm. That's what I'm looking at. Okay, so that's not what the Bible is talking about. He says, as you grow in your knowledge of God, the character of God, keep winning. Keep winning. Then, that's what he's telling Abraham in Genesis 17 and verse 1. He will tell in 17, 1. You know? Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. And he doesn't say walk with me. The difference, walk before me and be blameless. He says, as you walk, be blameless at every stage. Be blameless. Walk before me. I will correct you. I will teach you how to walk. I'll be right behind you. And I will show you where you go wrong. That's what it is talking about. Walk before me and be blameless. And then when you fail to meet meet God's standard. Oh no, does it disqualify you? It, it doesn't work like that. He disqualifies you when you consistently say no. And I don't, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Mm. Not interested. No. Disqualification does not come in the kingdom of God like one failing and two failing. And it doesn't come like that. Even with the children of Israel, He was merciful till the tenth time. time. Yes, absolute recorded tenth. How many more unrecorded? We do not exactly. know. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But He also knows our heart. You see, uh, like the English proverb says, you can only bring a horse to the water. You cannot make it drink. See, you can only preach about overcoming. You cannot make people overcome who are not interested. Now, I can give you give an entire study on how to read the Bible, but I cannot make anybody read the Bible. I can only read the Bible on my own. No, maybe not. So this message of overcoming, everybody is not going to receive because lots of, a lot of people are not interested. They're simply not interested. I just came through another another meeting. I had another meeting with another country on Skype, and all are young people. No, young people, okay, and it was about, you know, separating from the world, a message on separating from the world. I said, there is no man who has consistently heard from God who did not consistently walk in separation. Yes. Mm. Does that mean all the young people receive it? No. Can everybody receive it? Yes. yes. 
How did Enoch hear from God? Because he chose to separate himself and walk with God. You cannot walk with God unless you separate from God. What was the call of Noah? Make an ark and separate yourself from the world. Otherwise, you will also be destroyed. Yes. Right? What is Abraham's call? Leave the earth of the Chaldeans, leave your country, leave your household, everything, and be separated unto me. And I, you walk with me, I'll take you into a land which you do not know. What is the call of Isaac? You are born in this separated land. You will never step out of this separated land. Stay in your separation. What was Joseph? If you stay in your father's house, you got ten wicked brothers and your elder brother's influence on you will be so terrible, you will fall. So I need to save you from here. So he bound him in chains and sent him into Egypt to keep him safe from his own brothers. Otherwise he would have fallen because of the influence of his brothers. Everywhere you see separation. And Moses had to be separated for 40 years from Egypt before he could hear from God because he was full of Egypt. And the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt into the wilderness. So you look at all these messages the message of separation is true. And God has never ever used consistently or talked to any man in the Bible who did not receive the message of separation. Does that mean all of church will receive the message of separation? No. <laughs> if the church had received the message of separation, we wouldn't see the mess we are seeing today. What are you seeing in the West today? The Christian world, the rest of the Gentile world, we'll all live in the Gentile world. U.S., Canada, uh, no, England, Australia, these are all Protestant nations. You're not talking about Catholic nations. You're talking about Protestant nations. What is the mess that is happening? Why is it? It's because the message of separation was completely lost. You look at Hosea 7, 8. If I'm right, Hosea 7, 8. I will tell you about this. 7, 8. If I'm right, Hosea 7, 8. If I'm wrong, we'll yes, skip. right, that's right. Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is the cake undone. You know who Ephraim is? Ephraim is a younger son of Joseph. Joseph is the one, if you look at it physically, materially, everything, nation, spiritually Judah, but physically, materially, the greatest blessing comes to Joseph. Joseph is like a bough planted by the well. He will bless his own household. He will go over the wall and be a blessing to the nations. Joseph has two sons. So among the twelve, Joseph gets the great blessings. He has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh is the elder, Ephraim is the younger. When the time for blessing comes... Jacob crosses his hands and puts Ephraim above Manasseh. So he's got his unbelievable blessing, the Josephic blessing and the blessing of the firstborn. And you know what God says? He mixed himself with the nations. He's a half-baked cake. You can't eat him. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. He will not accept the message of separation. Chordosko can't do anything with him. And this still works. God says there are a lot of people in the church who will not accept the message of separation. They are like Ephraim. They are a cake unturned. Leave them alone. God says, leave Ephraim alone. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. So these are things which we need to understand. God speaks and God still speaks for centuries. He's been speaking. The message never changes. The question is, Will we receive? That's in another place. Leave him alone. You know, he has not been. No, it's, yeah, yeah, no. Ephraim is joined to his idols. Ephraim, Ephraim is joined to his idols. idols. Yeah, he goes, mixes himself with the peoples, joins himself with their idols. He's a cake hunter. You put it all together. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. And you look at in most peoples, you look at their profiles. No, you what's the profile? You can see that. <laughs> so this world and the scripture. No, they split personalities. Half will be something about the world and all the hangama from Hollywood. The next will be something from scripture. What do you say? Half-baked cake. God says, leave them alone. Leave them alone. 
Okay, so there are fundamental things in the kingdom of God. We cannot overlook it. And God will say everything is there. God does not disqualify anybody. We disqualify ourselves. Because we refuse to meet God's standards. And the standards are not so difficult. If it was difficult, Jesus would have said so. He says, no, burden is not heavy. Absolutely. Burden is not heavy. It is not heavy. He says, it is easy. It's not heavy. It is easy. See? And explain a contrite heart. A contrite heart is basically what you call a truly repentant heart. Truly repentant heart. A truly repentant heart is what is two things. You have to, to have a true contrite heart, you have to, to have three pictures. One, you need to have a real picture of who you are in the light of God. Yes. One. Second thing, you need to have a picture of the holiness of God. Okay? Third thing, you need to have a picture of the price Christ paid to make you holy. In the old covenant and all, till Jesus dies on the cross, you only have the first two pictures. The plight of man and who God is. So all of the man of unclean lips, so woe unto me and Peter, all that. But the third picture will come, what the price God paid to make us holy. When you have these three pictures, it makes, gives you a, everything is okay? Yeah. Okay? Gives you a contrite heart, heart. you know? It gives you a contrite heart. Mm. That's what gives you a contrite, a broken heart. You know, when you know that not only you marred God's holiness, but you also hurt the person who loves you the most. And nobody can ever love you like God loves you. That kind of a, that kind of a, and that's, that's how you, that's David goes through, no? David will truly go through that contrite stages through his life. He will understand how he hurt God mm. when Absalom dies. Wow. Absalom dies. When Absalom dies, he will say, I wish I had died in your place. And he realizes, this is how I hurt God. Mm. This is how I hurt God. Than I did, which hurt him. No? Yes. I hope it, and, and this is all by the Spirit of God. Even repentance is a gift from God. You can try your best and not be repentant. You can understand it as an idea, a theology, all that. It simply doesn't work. What you need to do is go to cry to God and say, Lord, give me the gift of repentance, O oh Lord, and yeah. say, Lord, Spirit of God, just break me. Just break me, Lord. Just break me, Lord. Pastor, so hmm. question number seven will, I think will continue the thought. Seven. We'll continue the thought. It says, Abraham was called a father of faith. David was called man of God's own heart. What was Moses called? Faith. Oh, that's from my kutis. My hmm. I hope you are listening. Hmm. Okay, I have your, I don't have your answer. I always hope I have the answer. Abraham was called the father of faith. David was a man after God's own heart. What was Moses called? That's Moses called. Moses was called Moses, right? <laughs> he was called my servant. That's how I look at it. Whenever God said, when he talked to others about Moses, he will say, my, my servant, servant Moses. Moses. And he will say, oh, he called Abraham my friend and he called David man of arms. He only called Moses my servant. But by the way, let me tell you, he calls Jesus my servant. Mm. Isaiah. Mm. In Isaiah, he calls Jesus my servant. And he calls Moses, my, if I'm right, it's, Hebrew, it's Hebrew. there in uh, most, uh, Numbers, Numbers 12. 12. Yeah, yes. in 12. Oh. He's talking to the, the, th the three brothers, uh, no, three in the family, right? Yes. Three in the family. Yeah? 
He summoned verse 5 onwards. 5 to 8. Beautiful. Numbers 12, 5 to 8. The Lord came down in the pillar of cloud, stood in the door of the tabernacle, called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. And he said, if there is a prophet among you, I the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant, my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, not in dark things. And when he sees the form of the Lord, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Super. I know you are the elder brother and the elder sister, but that's irrelevant. Do you know who he is? Do you know who he is? He's my servant. So this is my issue with the whole system that is what happened. See, it's been ingrained into me before I came to the Lord, my Father. I mean, I mean, that's what I said. You need, even in the worldly way, Scripture says our fathers disciplined us to the best they knew. Okay, the part that they wanted us to follow the righteousness which they understood. So my father always put a healthy respect for the law. Mm-hmm. And for me, the law was represented by his cane because he was principal and I was student, father and son. Both way, always respected the law. Okay. So, you will always see that. The difference between is that, if the policeman hits me, bait and charge, he hits me, and I hit the policeman, the law is different. Okay, the law. He will be disciplined if his action was not required or something, in a a normal justice case. But if I hit the policeman, I will be arrested for Hitting the a government, government servant, yes. a government servant, while he was discharging his duty. That's what God is saying. How dare you speak against my servant? He was discharging my duty. And if he's done something wrong, I deal with him, not you. That's my whole issue in what is happening in US. And I believe they are destroying a generation by causing them to disrespect the law. There may be crooked officers, there may be irrelevant. Irrelevant. You will never teach a younger generation to disrespect the man in the uniform because he represents the government. And governments are appointed ultimately by God for his purpose. All authority flows from down. Okay, all from down. And God has appointed governments. Wicked governments, authority, I mean, not that he, he allows governments to come and he will move it in his own time and when his purposes are. We do never understand God's purposes. God's purposes. You look at the most brutal regime in China from 70 years, 1949 yes. to 2020. This is a 71st year. That's why I have a glimmer of hope in my, uh, in my heart, you know, that the Chinese nation may fall. I don't know how to read eschatology if they fall, but I have sometimes have a good, because after 70 years, the Russian communist nation fell. 70 years is up for them, and they are doing all these crazy things. Personally, in my heart, I'm not prophesying or anything. I still believe if God's time is not up, President Trump will, will win. And if he wins, he's going to do stuff where the communist regime will fall. And if it falls, we have a window of time. We may see before the end comes, the second reformation, not revival, the second reformation. I'm looking at the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, he loses and it's time for the Antichrist to come. Antichrist to come. Because I believe he's the 45th president of US 
I believe in the Isaiah 45 prophecy that he is symbolically Cyrus. He may not know God well. God knows him. God has raised him up for this season for his people's sake. That's both Israel and us. And you will see in these two things, he has been absolutely on his money. When it comes to Israel, when it comes to church, he has been on his money. He's taken a stand which no American president ever did or could. Okay, so I look at all that and I look at this picture because I want that regime to fall. I, dis- I despise that, that regime because of what they do to their own people. But God had his own season. In those 70 years of Chinese communist regime, the world has never seen a church grow like that. Why are they cracking down on the church like crazy? Is because they say the membership of the underground church is more than the Communist Party of China. Bah, bigger than 100 million Chinese Communist Party. They're saying it could be anywhere between 200 to 300 million believers are there. It's an ex- the church is an existential threat, threat for the Communist Party. Threat for the Communist Party. So I look at it and the only one who will stand. Biden comes. The Democrats will never stand with the church. Never ever will they stand with the church. They will not. They will are against the church. They will destroy the church from within. Like eight years of Obama, the church fell apart. Everything that was an abomination to God was allowed. And the church was ostracized. And Democratic Party became a party without God. In their convention, they said they don't even want God over there. They don't want the mention of God over there. So I'm looking at a Christian point of view. What is good for the church? Because I'm not a servant of the world. I'm a servant of God. I cannot like Moses, but I'm a servant of God. And I always look and I will say, believe Lord, Lord, number 3rd, 2020. And even tonight, our night, his day, we're going to have the rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Really, we've been praying, Lord, they will try everything possible to mess it up. The crackpots will all come outside. They will try to spread the coronavirus. Everything the enemy will do, Lord, but through it all, bring him through, Lord. Bring him through, Lord. Because he is the most vilified man in human history. <laughs> Literally, our age. I mean, Google, Wikipedia had the gumption to take the picture of Churchill off. To appease a set of people. And all the other pres- uh, prime ministers of US, sorry, Britain, UK. Churchill was taken out. Can you believe it? No, Churchill, you know what we would be? Without Churchill? Without my Churchill, goodness, can you imagine goodness. what you would be? The Nazis would have been ruling over us, not the British. Ashamed of themselves. You know, how these people are, how blinded they are, I'm talking about in the same way. No, no man has been ever been vilified day and night, day and night, day and night. And I always ask, you know, Every witch, every wizard, every crackpot is out on the street casting spells on him, everything possible on him. And I look at him, no man can survive like that unless the hand of God is upon him. It's impossible. It's not possible to take it and continue. It's impossible to survive. Uh, Dictators have survived. They have destroyed their opposition and survived. This man is standing over there and coming through. It's almost like God has given him Teflon coating. Teflon coat. Nothing seems to stick. Nothing seems to stick. So I believe, you know, I believe, Lord. I'm looking at him for the sake of the church, Lord. I pray, if you are giving us longer time of grace, pray, Lord, he wins. He wins. Sometimes I was telling, sometimes I believe this 
could happen. I'm not, I'm not a prophet, so please. See what happened in India. You know the government that came with a brute majority two times? You know why they came? Because the previous governments, they created this entire thing around the country that the, all the earlier governments were appeasing the minority. Meaning the Muslims. They created that in village and village and town. At the end of the day, 80% of India's population is Hindu. And there was a massive backlash from the Hindus. And they just swept this government with unprecedented majority. Sometimes they feel it could happen in November. There's going to be a white backlash. Because everything which Adam did onwards, they're pinning it on the white man. This has got nothing to do with the white man. This has got to do with sin. And the white man is not responsible for all the stuff that is happening over there. Okay? If it is a white man who enslaved you, it is also the white man who died to free you. Hmm. Hey, come on. Don't look at it, race. All these people who are calling him, no, what do they call him? Mm, white supremacist. No, calls Trump... Uh, they have all these names, you know, publicly orange head and orange clown and orange. Isn't that racist? By the way, isn't that racist? Because there's only one set of people among the whites who are the blondes who have a gold hair. So when you call them by that, aren't you racist? Aren't you racist? Aren't you racist? You're racist. So it's there. No, it's there. You're also racist. So I have these issues and I believe I can say it because I'm a brown man and my country was ruled by them for 300 years. You can't pin it on me. And I have nothing against the white man. I have nothing against any man. I keep telling you I have nothing against the white man. Because I don't judge a man by the color of his skin. I judge a man by the content of his character. And I see great white men, great black men, great brown men. One of the greatest men of our century, leave Christianity aside, was a brown man. His call name was Mahatma Gandhi. Mm. I mean, if you look at that man and fact that he's not a believer, you have to cats off to you. Mm. Boy, how could you reach that level? How could you reach that level? An incredibly righteous man. It's a brown man. Nelson Mandela, black man. Martin Luther King, black man. And look at the white man. All the white men, the brown men, the white men, the Chinese men. What do you say about Sadhu Sundar Singh? What do you say about Watchman Nee? Watchman Nee. I can tell you, I can honestly tell you, unless God does supernatural, I can stand on my head for the rest of my life and pray and fast. I will never get the revelation of Watchman Nee in my life. It's impossible. It's a brown man. Sorry, it's a Chinese man. Mm. What has God race got to do with it? You don't judge a man by the color of his skin. No, you don't. You judge a man by the strength of his character. content of his, his character. character. So I have an issue with that. I really have issues with it. You don't call a white man or black man or brown man. No, nothing. The deep inside, there is racism on some level in everybody of us. But the problem of man is not nothing to do with race. It's got to do with sin. And therefore, I will say, not black lives matter. All lives matter. Mm. All lives matter. All lives matter. And Jesus is the only one who can save all lives. No ideology, no reparations or uh, no pulling down statues. It's not going to change. What do you think? What are you pulling down statues? The last time I heard somebody pulling down statues, by the way, was Taliban and Al-Qaeda. 
ISIS in Syria, Taliban in Afghanistan, they pulled down and blew up statues. And the Democrats in the US. And the Democrats in the US. Pulling down statues is going to change history. We have in India, Queen Victoria Memorial, and all those things are everywhere. I mean, there, some names have been there. It doesn't bother me. Does it bother you? It doesn't bother me. It's a fact. Can you change history? You cannot change history. You pull down a couple of statues, it does not change history. Can you change history? No, it doesn't change. We also tried all this. No, Madras to Chennai, hmm. Bombay to Mumbai. Bombay. What difference does it make? Must it make you feel good? Victoria Terminal to Chhatrapati. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> is it going to change the quality of your life? The station is still yes. the same. <laughs> the trains are still the same. These are all like tokenism. Hmm. The only thing that will change, two things. One, come to Christ. Keep on walking into Christ. You will change. You will realize at the end, you don't have a racist bone in your body. You will realize this. All our brothers, there's only one race, a human race. Amen. Okay. It is there. Second thing, let all races prosper. Hallelujah. Let them. No? Let them do well in life. And suddenly you will realize, you know what? Race does not matter. Success does. In this world, success matters. And nobody talks about Nobody talks about race to a successful man. Who heads Google? Guy who's um, Sundar Pichai. Sundar Pichai. Who heads Google? A brown man. <laughs> yeah? Microsoft? Microsoft as well, Telugu. Yeah, Telugu guy. <laughs> Telugu guy, Microsoft. What is? Satya Nadella. Satya Nadella. Sundar Pichai. Does anybody talk about their skin color? Oh, you were ruled by the British for 300. Sit below me. Does anybody say? No. no. Nobody talks about their skin color. The one is heading Google. Yeah. yeah. The world's other one, Microsoft. No. MAGA is that. Microsoft, Apple, Google, and there is one more. The four top companies. These four companies are which... And? Amazon. Amazon. These four companies are which is keeping America at the top. These four companies, they say this is the other MAGA in the industrial field. What is that? Microsoft, Apple, Google, Google and, and Amazon. Amazon. The four top companies. You take these four companies, I mean, US will come down, industrial-wise. Okay. And you will see, one is headed by, two are headed by Indians. Nobody talks about their color, their beard, their height. Nobody talks about it. So, all you have to do is create an environment, let them succeed. No? Succeed. That's, that's my take on it. And I hope I answered most of the questions. Yes, most of the questions. A few more are left. And God willing, we will continue happening. Uh, sorry, continue having this Q&A. And uh, I hope you are not offended by us. I am very passionate about certain things. <laughs> passionate about the kingdom of God. I'm passionate about home. I'm passionate about children. You have probably got it by now. I'm very passionate about children. Very passionate about the home. And I'm very passionate about the order, the, the structure of God's kingdom. I'm not interested about any of the other things, if you look at it. But I'm very, very passionate about children, the family. And ultimately, the kingdom of God is a big family. 
And I want to always look at life from that. I don't want to look in terms of career and industries and all those things for me. It's a Babylonian creation. Mm. Babylonian creation. You know? And I look at various industries, various things. I see that when Noah's flood came, the entire Genesis 4 is a record of all that, cities and Dubalcain and all that. I realized the flood destroyed it all. Mm. And only one structure was left. And the structure which was left the is family. an ark. But the ark was a home. Family, yes. As a home. And in that was a family. Mm. The only thing that came out was a family. And when rapture takes place, the only thing that will come out is a family. That is a family of God. Amen. And I don't want to miss these pictures and never say yeah, the church to say that you taught different. And these are things I've been consistent all my life. Because I look into the word of God and I will realize God is consistent about these things. <laughs> you know? God could have uh, called Abraham many things, right? He calls him father. father. Hmm. Daddy of all nations. <laughs> That's the name he gives him from Abraham to Abraham. Exalted father to father of all nations. What a name. You know, think about the naming. It's a father. It's a family. You know? He say, I'm the father in heaven. You be the father on earth. And Israel is my family. And then God is upset. He sends his son. And starts another family. It's called the church. Awesome. No? Put it that way. You look at life. And I will never change my convictions where I know they are true. Amen. Mm. Other areas, I leave it open. I'm not very sure it is here or not, but... When I look into the word of God and my convictions have been set, according to the word of God, it's set in stone. Then I don't budge. No, because you have to live or die by the truth you believe. You have to live or die by the truth you know is true. So shall we pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. You are our father. We are part of your family. And I pray, Father, every time the ministry of the word goes forth, tomorrow, Sunday, around the world, O oh Lord, as your servants speak in different ways, O oh Lord, some through Skype, some through Facebook, live streaming, YouTube, around the world, your servants will arise to speak. And I pray, Lord, in one way or other, different ways, they will reveal the Father heart of God, Lord. So that you will turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers back to the children. So the family of God on earth will become one. So that may we hasten the coming of your son for his family, Lord. Let the word always be to that end, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. I plead the blood of Jesus over your people who are listening everywhere. I commit them into thy hands. I pray the blood will protect them. The angels will guard over them and keep them, Lord. And I pray and I plead the blood of Jesus over President Trump at Tulsa, Oklahoma. All those thousands who are gathering over there. We take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We bind every power of darkness, every principality, every power, every ruler over Oklahoma, over U.S., over Tulsa. We Bind it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Be commanded to leave in Jesus' name. And I pray over that stadium area, Lord. I pray there will be open heavens, O Lord. Eyes will be opened. And when that meeting goes and it's beamed across, O Father. I pray there will be confusion in the ranks of the enemy, O Lord. And there will be opening of hearts and minds of your people in U.S., O Lord. The Christians, O Lord. I break the power of blind 
mind blinding in the name of Jesus. I pray every spell of the witches and the wizards, the lodges, the fire of God, of God of Elijah will come and consume all their rituals, O Lord. All their sacrifices will fall to the ground. Nothing they do will have effect, O Lord. And I plead the blood of Jesus over him, O Lord, over President Trump and his team there and all the people. No weapon that is formed against him will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against him in judgment, we condemn it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. If you have called him and if you have appointed him, then by your right hand you will uphold him, O Lord, and you will bring him through all these attacks, O Lord. Give him wisdom, give him discernment. Once again, I pray for Father, you will take that coal from that heavenly altar, Lord, and sanctify and cleanse and empower his lips, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for I believe for a time and a season like this, you have raised him up, O Lord, like Esther was raised in the palace. You have raised him for a season like this for your people's sake, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. Speak peace into every heart that is listening. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.